Hey, so um, I have an apology I think I need to send out to the interwebs. Um, on Instagram last week, Perry and I flew up to New York to do some filming at uh, Mount Sinai, the hospital um, up by Central Park, and um, I posted just a picture of the hospital, and I said, <laughs> quick pit stop in Manhattan, and then tagged Mount Sinai, and that was the post, and I thought... Nothing of it, right? Like, we, we left it, I don't know, 6 in the morning, flew up, filmed at 11, and I was on a one thirty flight down to South Carolina to meet mm. you and Vegan. So, like, for me, it was literally a quick pit but stop you, in Manhattan. you didn't think at all that your national audience would think, oh, he's gone to a national center of excellence for emergency surgery. So, I'm I'm filming. My, cam- my phone is down. I'm not checking anything. I get back to a raft of DMs from incredible people. So, anybody listening to this who DM'd me, thank you for checking in. Also, I am sorry for giving giving you a scare uh, but yeah there were just like i i had somebody who i know is tuned in uh said i live down the street if you need anything let me know and on one hand i very much appreciated that and on the second hand my bad dog my bad listen for people wanting to know whether you're alive or dead just keep an eye on my stream because if something happens to you it'll simply be me asking a question of can you have chat gpt write a eulogy my name's Scott Wayne. And I'm Ace Colwood. And this is Envoy Recorded Radio. All right, we've been absent for forever. How do we justify this? Uh, I, we, haven't, we haven't been absent, just not everybody has gotten access to ERR. So we need to confess that yeah. while those of you who listen on the public stream think that we haven't posted a a podcast, a radio episode for some weeks, many weeks. Actually, what you don't know is if you had the special powers, we've been publishing invisible episodes to the stream that if you don't see it, you don't see it. And look, um, you know, if, if you don't have access, that's a you problem, not an us problem. But they were great. They, they they were great. We covered so many topics. We talked about New Year's resolutions, et cetera, all the things you would expect uh, for the beginning of 2024. And uh, yeah, it just sucks you missed it. So all of the things that other podcasts covered, we covered just better. And you missed it. All right. So uh, We don't have to justify that, do we? Where are we filming from today? We're home. We're actually home. We are actually... In Richmond, Virginia. Have you counted how many days you've been home this year? I never do that. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's... So we're here. We are in our new studio. Mm -hmm. Our new studio is fully configured, except for one thing. It is (laughs) 95% configured, but there is a a very toasty 5% we're missing. Which is? Uh, Our heat. (laughs) Our heat. (laughs) Which, fortunately, we're in that, I don't know, three-week stretch of winter in Virginia where it is sub-20 degrees. It's a really terrible time to not have heat in our new studio. I just put my hand on this metal desk. Don't do that. I may not be able to get the hand back up. Uh, put your tongue on it. <laughs> no, we are, nobody needs it. Uh, yeah, so it's it's cold in here, which if these were working, they'd be our involuntary sponsor for the week. They're, they're not. So Next they week, one these, once these inverters are working, they will be the sponsor. This week, though, our involuntary sponsor is FreeWrite. Huh. FreeWrite is... A device that looks a lot like a laptop, but it's off the internet. Its innovation is, it's essentially a typewriter. And it is designed for you to be able to think freely about what you're working on without the distractions of pings or beeps or uh, checking X or anything else that that is out there. Um, And they're not paying us for this. It's just part of that theme that we're going to be talking about a lot this this year, which is how do we de-link somehow uh, the algorithmic world from our own world. Yeah, 
have you used any of the uh, we'll we'll talk more about mm. technology but have you used any of the like internetless pieces of tech uh, you're I a mean, I was, paper I was born before the oh, internet. I, so. knew that was, I walked. <laughs> hey, directly can we just talk about? I, I'm stealing this from a comic who I can't remember, <laughs> but mindfulness. The the eruption in like the everybody saying we need mindful time, we need reflection time. Uh, and this this comic was making the case. Yeah, we had that. It was like sitting on the school bus watching the condensation because we had nothing else to do. It was waiting in line for a cup of coffee because we didn't have anything else to do. Oh. It was he got to. It was taking a dump without scrolling to the screen because you had nothing else to do. Like that was the reason the mindful business, <laughs> mindfulness business didn't exist before this was because we were having mindful moments throughout our day and now we're just plugged in. I look, anyway. I get it. So the so sorry the non-connected internet products. Yeah. Do you have any? No. I, no. <laughs> I don't shit. Uh, everything's connected. Everything. Like, I spent an hour yesterday disconnecting my connected things because they weren't working well and I was upset so I could reconnect them so they'd actually work. Like, that's how I spent part of my Sunday. There's no there's no disconnection. It's probably a problem. The My kids do joke that when when we're playing music in the house, especially if we're like going outside or something, is that our experience is ten minutes of listening to whatever they want to listen to and fifty minutes of me trying to reconfigure the Sonos. <laughs> I, it was Sonos yesterday. <laughs> this it's is not brought Sonos. to you by Sonos. No, it's not because you can actually hear it. I kid. I I kid. Kind of. All right. Let's come on to let's come on to the zeitgeist. What's zeitgeist. happening this week? Uh, left-handedness. This this is actually, I think you sent me this, um, but I very much, I loved it. So there's a graph, the history of left-handedness, and we'll, we'll post this. But uh, the caption I thought was hilarious. Uh, in the early 1900s, left-handedness was thought of as inferior, perverted, and satanic. Lefty children were beaten by nuns and forced to write with their right hands in school. As left-handed stigma faded, the number of people identifying as lefties skyrocketed from 3% to 12%. Why were so many people suddenly left-handed? Was it trendy? Were their teachers pushing it on students? Was it the woke lefty drag queens? And I think these are important questions that we need answers to. It just Scott. became socially acceptable to be left-handed. It did. And then people came out of the left-handed closet. It's a lefty I wonder, which, I wonder which hand they used to open the closet, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible, that was a terrible joke. I don't know why I laughed at that. Joke. I don't know why I thought it was funny. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no. I... I, I but right at the beginning of my career, right after college, I had a scholarship from Barclays Bank, and I worked for Barclays at the headquarters. And for some reason, I don't know why I was going through an archive, I tripped over this letter that was like from the 1930s, I think it was, that said, we are now changing policy to allow left-handed people to be employed by the bank. And that was a real thing. And yes, yeah, so you make it socially acceptable to be a thing, then ah, it turns out more people come out as the thing rather than people being converted to converted to whatever. Yeah, I, but but this idea that that is how it works is, uh, I just I, I feel like there's just rampant stupidity across society <laughs> right now. That's the best way I can say that, and that will sound arrogant or whatever. And I'm committed to it. I feel like we're being really, really dumb. And so to say, oh my gosh, we have suppressed or ostracized or stigmatized or at times like actually caused bodily harm to groups of people and now that perhaps we're making space for those people to exist uh, we're now forcing them to be that thing rather than uh, they've just found some space not to have to hide it like yeah. that seems very straightforward to me i will say i think the generation 
that's coming up is is running ahead of us on this in that they they just don't care like, they really don't give they, up like no. everybody caught up about gender transgender bisexuality they just couldn't give two hoots and it's, it's fluid but I, look uh, the other side the other side would argue that it's not fluid and it's not supposed to be and it's against uh, and i i just i i have issue with that if we don't acknowledge hierarchy and power dynamics and that's often the the thing that we conveniently overlook to make a case that somebody's pushing an agenda we have to consider both if we want to make that case cogently and i'm not sure you can if you consider that part you know why i feel so passionless about the subject is mm. because by nature of who we are and what we do people tell us everything yeah and once you understand what people are poking prodding stroking caressing <laughs> just like sure it's like, <laughs> and the gap between what people say and what people do is so wild like it's just it's just ridiculous so everybody i think the lesson here is maybe we chill out anytime you have an opinion they're like oh that's outrageous just think we felt the same way about left-handed people yeah hey um also uh, what but, is wrong with them though left-handed that's weird i uh, look okay. why would you do that no comment. Why would you choose that? It's crazy. Um, because it's really convenient to be left-handed in a right-handed world. So um, that's we don't the live in a right-handed world, Ace. We live in a normal world for which people fit or don't fit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I would choose that if you know. I have a lot of lefties in my world. Yeah, mm -hmm. left-handed people. Maybe it's not a choice. Actually, while we're talking about annoying lefties, no. Let, yeah, I'm gonna go with the left. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go with the left because right now. Everything I see about uh, DeSantis dropping out of the race yeah. is gloating. And there, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull. I've gotten a couple of hip-hop references in over the last right. week or so. Yeah. I got Biggie oh, I, in. I, I noticed got, you did that yeah, last no, week. I got a couple. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull a Little Dicky reference in. There's a song, and Little Dicky has a line where he says, if, if you haven't listened to Little Dicky, don't. Uh, <laughs> but what I will say is the line that he drops is hilarious. He's like having this debate in the song, and he goes, you don't believe in your side. And that's how I feel about DeSantis dropping out in the left gloating right now. If DeSantis has dropped out, it is one step closer from Trump, who is the worst of the worst of the worst, according to the left, it's one step closer to Trump getting the nomination, and then we're going to have to wade through that. So DeSantis dropping out cannot possibly be good for the left. But instead of the long term, hey, maybe we should have given a path for us to have a reasonable, reasonable elective, electoral cycle, we are now taking the enjoyment out of DeSantis dropping out, which might have been not great, but less bad. And I don't know what the path to that is, and it feels silly that that's the thing that we're latching onto and saying, ha, we can't possibly have expected DeSantis to beat Trump because he did it all wrong. What's the upside there? That's, that's my frustration. Also, it's not really your business, right? If you're of the left, it's the Republican primary for the Republicans to work out, not for the Democrats to work out. And one might think the energy should be focused on trying to work on Robert F. Kennedy dropping out because that's a much bigger problem for the Democrats than, frankly, who any winner is on the Republican side. I would, I would imagine, mathematically. Maybe. Maybe. What do you, what do you think of Robert, Robert F. Kennedy? What's, it, what's your take on that thing? I got more steam than I imagined it would have gotten. It did. <clears throat> um, I think... I think the left has put all of their eggs in one basket and Robert F. Kennedy was an afterthought. Was... And what about Cornel West? 
Corno uh, West took a lot of flack for popping up and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm running." Um, I don't think Cornell West thinks that there's a legitimate path to winning a presidential election. I think he serves to pull Biden or whoever the presumptive nominee is further toward the politics that matter to the left. And I think that cannibalizes a vote. And that's the flack that one gets. I also think like Cornell West is smart enough to know that. So there's got to be some rationale. You think it's a strategic play, Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I think, the math in my head would say for as revered as Cornell West is and as intelligent as he is, like there's got to be something that I'm not seeing. But I see it as cannibalizing a vote. It's it's messy, but I I think the gloating of the left is uh, is short sighted. That's actually what I think. It is more of a risk or a threat than it is a thing to be celebrated. And I think we could uh, we could be a little wiser to think about the the very real implications of DeSantis dropping out rather than <laughs> DeSantis thought he could tackle it this way because the actual threat is to the left. Trump winning a nomination and then either Trump winning the election or Trump being indicted, getting convicted and then having to wade through that either way doesn't end particularly well. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be messy. So if, if he's convicted Mm. and still runs sort of just pushes against it, I have an alternative plan. Well, once, once we're ignoring the law about who can run, then I think, I think princess Kate should run. She'd win. Well, Handily. as a third candidate, yeah, like bring the royals back. I like it. If we're going full monarchy, let's go full monarchy. <laughs> and you know, based upon the conversations I've had with American women and their desire for boots and barber, I mean, she could be sponsored by barber and pay for itself. Barber and Land Rover. And I was going to say Land Rover. Yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. unlimited donations. Just, I'm into it. Hey, um, Princess speaking, Kate for president. Speaking of monarchies, and uh, I don't know, the last time the Brits tried to do anything princess on American Wales, soil. Um, so we were. <laughs> I'm the king of dolphins. She's the princess of Wales. No, you're not. Uh, Brits in cemeteries. Let's talk about it. <laughs> it got dark. I was marched to a cemetery on Thursday, wasn't I? You were. Yeah, we were running this program for the the state of South Carolina, which is fantastic. It's, it is the government. It's been a lot of fun. Executive Institute, uh, which is designed to support leaders of government and emerging leaders of government and we run this every year it's really terrific great group of people but we're in uh we're in Buford South Carolina not Beaufort South Carolina because why not would Beaufort. we pronounce it that way Buford South Carolina and uh yeah the, the CAO there she said I want to take you to see some dead bodies <laughs> British bodies <laughs> and I want to she said it slightly more so it was interesting we went for this that. walk through this beautiful old cemetery to these two gravestones with with Union Jacks flying um, by the way, the Brits amongst you are going to say it was a Union flag, not a Union Jack, because it wasn't over water, but we call it a Union Jack anyway. Go to hell. Um, but the, <clears throat> it was just a sideline debate about how we treat okay. flags. Um, yeah, so two Union Jacks flying, and she's like, see, this is the respect we show. And I was there, I was like, but you did kill them first. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying you shouldn't have killed them, but it wasn't, it wasn't an accidental. It, they didn't, it wasn't a trip and fall. No. It wasn't, they didn't trip and fall and bang their heads and... The colonials said, well, we'll bury them in this, this graveyard. I know. We, yeah, we was, killed them first and then gave them a yeah. decent, a proper burial. But it, but I loved it because it was half um, it was half warm and half like, if you mess up this program, this you could you could be the third flag. <laughs> you you too could join your countrymen. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. What a, what a, what an experience. The history 
in uh, so it was cool. I, I I was walking around with with the same CAO, and we took kind of a tour of what is called the Point in um, Beaufort, oh, South all Carolina. Those it's big all, houses. Yeah, it's oh, all nice. like former plantation houses, yeah. which is one wild backdrop for me to just kind of experience. And <laughs> how many weddings have you been invited to that have been hosted yes. on a plantation? Yes. Um, I stayed in a Jefferson Davis room in Fredericksburg <laughs> at, a, no, at a hotel funny. once. It was. It's not actually funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, it is a weird place. You stayed in the Jeff Davis room. I stayed in the Jeff. Was with named the that probably because he had stayed there. Uh, probably. Well, there's yeah. a picture of him in the room. It was, and I was like, "Hey, is there any? Is there an Abe Lincoln room?" But no, you're in Fredericksburg, Virginia. <laughs> there's no Abe Lincoln room. Uh, maybe the outhouse out back was the Abe Lincoln room. It was. Yeah, it was weird. Um, so we're we're walking through, but the really I think cool part of Beaufort is it was one of the Union strongholds throughout the war, mm. and so we went to we looked at this like awesome plantation house, and I'm like, oh, that looks crazy. It was a Union hospital during the war. Oh, so um, Clara Barton, Harriet Tubman, both nurses at this hospital, and then Frederick Douglass's son was a patient as was the first black recipient of the Medal of Honor, both uh, patients at the hospital. And so like, it was just really interesting. And then we walked by the house where the Big Chill was uh, filmed, and like we did that. It was, it was a really so interesting place to be. So just to be clear, you got, you got the tour of African-American honor, and I got the You got Brits were killed people. here. Yeah. All right. Good. Mm -hmm. On the, going back to the <laughs> juxtaposition of. Yeah, because I mean, it was it I'm was just watching you wade through this right now. Back to my theme of I don't know how my country get off so lightly. <laughs> the actually before we get there, can I just share one of the things I miss about us not working together yeah. is the random phone calls we would give each other. Ah, so one of my favorite random phone calls pre us working together was you called me from it was during the COVID pandemic, and you called me and you said, "Hey, I'm working on this decontamination process. I've, I've rigged up this huge decontamination thing for the health system to reuse masks." It was when there was a yeah. massive shortage of PPE and you're using like ultraviolet rays or whatever. And I was like, that's great. I'm glad you're making a difference. But like, I got stuff to do. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to know where I'm doing it. And I was like, well, what do you mean where you're doing it? He said, well, we've, we've taken over space next to the hospital. That's the, the Museum of the Confederacy. I'm blasting it with rays and decontaminating the White House of the Confederacy right now. <laughs> it's the small wins, man. Small wins. <laughs> small wins. Anyway, so how my, how my people get off with this. So in the History Museum, yeah. they were talking about that actually Jamestown and, and uh, Plymouth Rock and stuff is utter BS in terms of like being the first European mm. uh, migrants to the US. Is that 90, 70, 90 years earlier, the Spaniards and the French had been coming up to South Carolina through Florida. And I asked, I yeah. asked the historian, I was like, why isn't this the history that's told? And he was like, because it's in Spanish. Like, we've mm. been taught the Anglophone version of history. Mm. But he, he was making his presentation and he said, so, and then the Brits arrived after them as always, traders, and they started enslaving people. And I said, whoa, 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 hang on, no, 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 they didn't start enslaving people, they, they were bringing enslaved people, and I know this history, the first enslaved people were brought into Virginia on a ship called the, I think it was the White Lion. Sure. Um, what else would it be Nina called? Pinta Santa Maria, those are the ones I got. So, so he's like, no, 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 I, I, I don't mean they brought enslaved people, I mean they enslaved people here. Like, I'm not tracking. <laughs> And he said, no, their first 
deal was they already had Barbados and plantations there and they needed labor. And they bought off one tribe of Native Americans to enslave other tribes. And 25,000 people were shipped out of South Carolina who were, who were resident wow. Americans and enslaved and shipped to Barbados. It's just, it's wild. That's the stories we tell, which, it, so I grew up in Florida. Yeah, um, I grew up kind of all over the place, but Florida was one of. I grew up in uh, Jacksonville. If for, you've been on the on the receiving end of Ace telling you that he grew up in the state from which you're from, it's because he was a military one. kid. <laughs> there is truth to that. So Florida is one of the fifty states that he was brought up in. Yeah, <laughs> and, and St. Thomas. I don't know how. I'll pick a territory how, or two. How bad Commander Colwood was at his job in the Coast Guard, but he was moved around a lot. Got, got booted. Um, no, St. Augustine was founded in 1565. Yeah. Like, Castillo de San Marco, I, I think, is the, the, like, fort there. Like, the longest continually inhabited European-founded city in the United States. And we hear Jamestown, and we hear Plymouth, and we hear Williamsburg. And, yeah, because Doesn't it was count. in Spanish. It's in Spanish. History is only written in English, mate. We've That's been consistently anti-Spanish in this country. Uh, for many, many years. All right, I'm freezing. I'm going to go get more tea. You, you run the show. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to bot lust, which is uh, an experience that AI is uh, prevalent in most conversations today. And um, there's there's been this conversation. It's one that you and I are having, and I just like I wait. We need the non-believability warning. I know oh. where we're going with this. Yeah. So every every woman I've told this to hasn't believed it. Really? And so just a heads up: if if you're a woman, you're going to say this cannot. Men cannot possibly be this stupid. So just a flag. Prepare yourself, <laughs> because you're going to live in a world of unreality that is built on hope. And our job is to to be to be where the reality is. So here we go. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, there is a Never young, good to be young lady, scantily clad young lady, of that named Lexi Schmidt AI. That is her profile handle. And Not really disguising her origin story a great deal with that handle. No, Lexi, Lexi Schmidt, Schmidt AI. AI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, handle, or or rather the uh, description in her profile is 22-year-old virtual influencer and AI fashion model from Germany. <laughs> Publisher of Digital Divas magazine. <clears throat> and she has how many followers? She has how many followers? Uh, how many, how, you just clicked out of her I, profile. I Why out. did you do that? Hang on. I was about to tell you how many followers she Lexi has. 73,000 73, followers. What is most worrying about this entirely fictitious person is the growth rate of her followers. And the 940 plus comments, along with the 22,000 likes, of men writing real comments to this fake person that doesn't exist. It's, you look so stunning. Wow. Star eyes, fire emoji, fire emoji, star eyes. Uh... That's in a language I don't understand. But look, I'm excited about this. So then she connects with other AI models where they're photographed meeting up together with men commenting, it's so great that you two got to meet. <laughs> I think it's great that those two got to meet too. That's... I think that it is. So you should know that 
I put the kettle on. It's just fused one of the circuits in here. <laughs> but Vera's coming, bringing the semi, the semi warm water. <laughs> uh, Always world class. Um, Never not an exciting day. As as Vera walks up, there's a chance she's going to glance at your screen, which just has a pair of AI boobs. <laughs> Thanks, V. <laughs> um, so beautiful. Day so in all of this. Yeah. No, the I the takeaway is firstly the internet isn't real. The internet has never been real, but the internet increasingly isn't real. But now we're in this world of we just AI. So I here's my bid for a law. Yeah. We talked about regulations of AI. Yeah. It is not that we need to write disclaimers because this is evidence on a, on a serious point. Mm -hmm. Adobe, a, a, Adobe is one of the biggest stock photography archives in the world. Yeah now allow AI-generated photographs. This means that you can post photos of the situation in Gaza that is, or Israel, or any other conflict zone in the world, Ukraine, Russia, that is completely inaccurate. It is AI-generated. And Adobe required to put a disclaimer. But here's our evidence that nobody reads the disclaimers. Is that 22,000 people, mainly men, are following and interacting with somebody who is labeled as false. Yeah, but it's an image that they want to see. That that is no different from wanting to see victims in a conflict, wanting to see victors in a conflict, and the the regulations aren't working. So here's my proposal: mm. is that every fifth image has to be a photograph of the person <laughs> that generated it in their domestic <laughs> environment. <laughs> <laughs> so you would see the things you see for Lexi Schmidt, and then you would see you would see George, George in, in his basement, <laughs> in his mother's basement, in his mother's basement, perhaps in Birmingham, England, in in his just boxer his, briefs, yeah. and mm, with his Mountain Dew, and there's a stereotype in there. I'm sure I'll be in trouble for, but you know, like that's the fifth. Image. I think we all know how what George looks like, though. I mean, we're pretty yeah, confident. Yeah. Like uh, we're pretty confident that. George, George is, does not look anything not, like Lexi. It's not the male equivalent of Lexi. No. <laughs> no. And so uh, I think the conversation around truth continues to be really, really interesting, right? Um, so uh, truth, particularly in news and reporting, if there was video, it was evidence that a thing had happened. Yeah. Right? If there was a yeah. photo, it was evidence that, that a you thing see it. Do we have happened. video? Right. Yeah. Is there video? And and now we're actually going back to a place that <laughs> the irony of news sources, particularly through the Trumpian era of news, have been put into question. And the uh, further and further skewing to the right or the left of news sources is to our detriment. Because what's like the provenance of information is now more important than the information itself. We are we are now so busy on the consulting side of one voice work on the negotiation and conflict resolution, agreeing what are primary facts. Yeah. And in our trainings now, we are spending a lot of time explaining that in a negotiation, historically what we would do is you would agree, you would agree the objective facts of the case, you would set them to, to one side, and then you would basically put on the table the sub subjective interpretations and work through those until you reach an agreement. Now we can spend weeks determining what is an objective fact because, yeah, yeah to your point, video isn't proof anymore. Video can be generated. Oh, my God. I mean, the, the, what, the early stages of AI-generated video where we can say, I want an image of Ace and Scott 
walking down Fifth Avenue in New York. Oh no, make it Sixth Avenue. Actually, uh, make it around Parliament Square in London. And it's just happening in a heartbeat. And in the speed of attention, which we know is that, is, is a very low attention span. And without an authority to validate what is true and isn't, because we're, we're trashing the independence of news media, we're trashing the independence of government. Yeah, this is, this is very, very problematic. We're entering a f- period of, of what is real and what isn't. Yeah. Most of it isn't. And I'm not sure we can put ourselves on a moral high horse. On I was going to say, do we have to we... apologize <laughs> about Costa Rica? <laughs> do we actually have to say sorry now? This <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in a way, your your evidence of it without see, I made it about you. Of your evidence yeah. about this without using technology is that you know the ability to fake geotags and locations. People think you're getting emergency surgery, and then you're popping up in in a plantation house in Buford, South Carolina, the same day. Like, is it real? In that case, it happened to be real. You were in those two places. Right. But but, but now that's more and more in question. And and that, I think, to me, we, I, I think, but I think there's a cycle. So to I, be fair. Yeah. Because it, it lashes back. Because I took flack. There were images out there of me dressed as an elf in Alaska a few weeks ago that people claimed <laughs> were faked. And they were absolutely real. They were 100% real. I was walking through the woods in Alaska dressed as an elf in Alaska three weeks ago. And uh, that people was claimed that was fake. I've showed so many people those pictures, too. It makes me happy. Many um, tights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to jump to Tools for Tools. There's an empathy question that we use. And uh, is this an actual tool? No, kind of. But I think the takeaway we might think of as a tool. So do you, uh, do you want to prime the empathy question? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, but there's like a, there's a takeaway from it. So maybe a refresher on like what the question is. What empathy is? No, not what empathy is, but the question we ask with, with large groups. Um, oh, uh, yeah. yes. So the question is, tell us something about yourself that few people in this room would know about you and it goes on a screen everybody uses we use slido but it's like a polling type software yeah and it's anonymous and so yeah that's the question we ask yeah and talk to us about the answers well the the answers i mean so we're recommending this to people as a tool yeah if well we're mm. recommending the takeaway as a tool because we're getting beat up right now so we'll talk about the answers then we'll talk about us getting beat up um the responses that come in uh, run the gamut, right? Like, hey, I've had somebody like really close to me uh, and their own life of, of late uh, recently. And, you know, I, I deal with depression and I'm, I've been estranged from my family for years. And, you know, I'm uh, crippling anxiety or, uh, you know, I, I struggle with my weight. I mean, you get all of the things that make people human and and they share that in this anonymous Slido that we put up in a room full of their peers, and I, you know, I think it's a testament to how much people hurt generally, and all of the real things going on in their lives, and having a venue or a vehicle by which to share that, and so people just kind of unload, and it's it's a heavy moment in the room often. Um, but the last couple times I've, I, you alongside, I suppose, have like we've gotten in trouble for it. <laughs> See, we haven't gotten in trouble have been with upset. People have been uncomfortable with what they saw. Yes. <clears throat> and actually, in every time, people have been uncomfortable with what they saw. Yeah. I think we've had a couple of responses from different leaders. Sometimes, and it ch- actually changes. It does. During yes. the session. Yeah. It has been, 
we shouldn't put that up in front of our people. Like that's too traumatic. And then other responses of, oh my word, I didn't know this and I should have known this. Yeah. And I think both are true. I think the piece that we have to always remind people is this is everybody right now. This right. is a cross section of society, particularly middle-class society, because that's the audiences that we're typically speaking to that are in corporate, but that there's a lot going on there. And if we're, if we're blind to it, well, two pieces from a leadership perspective, if we're blind to it and we think that we're communicating to people that have much more balanced, healthier lives than they do, or, or less burdened lives than they do, mm -hmm. then we're, we're not going to communicate correctly. We're not going to lead correctly. The other is letting the people in the room know that they're not alone. Right. Um, both they're not alone in that we always talk about the help that's available for people, but yep. also that other people are going through their own things. And you have, you've decided you're going to introduce a line at the end of the session. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a new tool because a question I've heard is like, what do I do with this? And, and that forces a decision. But uh, the singular takeaway that I think would be, I have found to be most powerful here is I want everybody in the room to look at the things that people have just shared. And I want you to pick, completely subjective, pick the most traumatic or the worst or the most deeply uncomfortable thing you see on that list and then go into your next interaction with a colleague as if they were the one who had written it. Like it just changes the tenor of an interaction to consider that, hey, somebody has something going on and it's possibly pretty heavy. And while we're professionals and we have a mission and work to do, it may not be the highest priority thing on their mind given all of the other things going on in their life. So you being, yeah, you essentially saying, look at the thing on that screen that you would, that would hit you the most. Yep. And then when you're dealing with people, imagine that person was going through that thing. Exactly. Just, just for a second to pause and consider, hey, if this interaction isn't perfect, maybe there's something else. If they're not doing exactly what I want, maybe there's something else. If I'm having a hard time with this person, maybe it's not about me. It's about what's going on in their world. And can I, can I create a little bit of space for them to be a human while we also have stuff to do? Um, that pause, I think, will change tenor and ultimately, over time, start to shift culture. And I think that's worth the discomfort of seeing what's going on in people's yeah. lives. So. All right. I'm going to go to the fuse box and see if I can get some power going because oh. it's getting colder in here. You, you go on with the next <laughs> bit. Oh, love it. I love it. Hey, uh, so I'm going to yell at clouds while Scott's gone because uh, I just get to complain about the things that uh, annoy me. Um, so the first is uh, I we we fly quite a bit. We're, we're on planes, trains, automobiles, but often planes. And um, you remember the... Uh, the the luggage, kind of that era of luggage where everything had a built-in battery. Um, my Away case has a built-in battery. We've already talked about Away and how much I love it and how much Scott hates it, which is probably partly why I love it and partly why he hates it. Uh, but my battery in it, every time I'm like checking in at the gate, like, hey, you have to take your battery out. And what strikes me is you have to take your battery out of your luggage doesn't make sense because I have not checked my luggage. My luggage is coming onto the plane with me, and it'll be right next to the bag that also has a portable battery in it. And so I like every time like you have to take it out, that's a fire hazard. And my response is never, yeah, but I have another battery in my bag that would 
arguably also, also be a fire hazard, up. and you haven't stopped me for that. So, <laughs> so that's um, what I complain about. I've just observed something, though. Like, this section's called yelling at clouds, and when there's two of us and only one is yelling, it's funny. <laughs> when the other walks away, you just sounded like such a whiner. I know. <laughs> you could feel it in your voice. It was like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. <laughs> I was mama, just... Mama. Then I want to take my battery out, and they didn't... Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> I'm talking about which... Um, hey, Alaska Airlines, we feel for you. Ooh, yeah. That's like, whoa, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Do we feel for Boeing? Um, I don't think we feel for Boeing. I think there's, I think there's a big, if you've seen the documentaries, some of the research, I, I think there's some big cultural questions there. But given that the state of South Carolina is a client, we'd like to point out that Boeing's facility in South Carolina Stellar. has not been affected by or any above of board. these outputs. The Dreamliner is flying great. Uh, they did not ask us to say that to be very clear that's just us sucking up nobody nobody listens to this nobody asks us to say anything scott um let's stay on transportation though uh i I saw a headline that i thought was really funny it wasn't a headline it was like a reddit uh post um but i think it leads us to where we want to go feds to highway signs you have two years to stop being funny no this is real it is it's real. Absolutely real. Yeah, Matt, but, but the, way the, head- this, right? <laughs> no, the, the way the headline was written, that was from Reddit, oh, and I thought it was yeah. funny. Feds to highway signs, you have two years to stop being funny. Uh, but this is real. So is it the the federal... The, the, yeah, the Federal Highway Authority. Yeah. So I, also, a word to Americans. This is good, Kiefer. When you're all like, oh, we don't like rail because it's subsidized, just remember those federal highways, they're pretty subsidized. Yeah. And there's those... Railways in the sky, known as flight paths, they're also heavily federally subsidized. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so the 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 highway authority um, has determined that the the signs of which I presume you're going to give us some examples. Yeah, um, so there's one from Ohio. It's O H I Whoa, Ohio Whoa. Watch your speed. Uh, one says visiting in laws. Slow down. Get there late. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. Um, Virginia's into this. I, I've seen a lot of these in Virginia. Yeah. They're sort of like a state rivalry, isn't there? So, so regulators have decided that uh, transportation authorities across the states have to stop putting funny signs Because up. they couldn't prove that it increased attention, and Correct. they were worried that the that distraction of the laughter would yeah. be... Which, if there is a case for smaller government, and I'm not generally a smaller government guy, it's that during these studies, as they watched twenty percent of people driving along texting on their cell phones, they were worried whether a joke on a sign was distracting. But if we if we have to, oh, see, this is why this is under the yelling at clouds section because it just it grinds my gears. If we're going to regulate this, we have to get rid of every billboard on the side of the highway. Yeah, which is designed to distract you and think about McDonald's or Burger King. Yeah, yeah. Which also, in a lot of countries, you don't have. You're not allowed to have billboards for that reason because it'll distract. Because it's distraction. Okay. Yeah. So like, we either fucking care or we don't. Yeah. But no, it's we can't have it is these. Genuinely ridiculous. This may become an election issue. I would. When Princess Kate runs for office, <laughs> we are making this an election issue. <laughs> we probably could. Yeah. You know we what could. we're gonna put instead on those signs? Just pictures of Princess of Wales, or Wales. Or whatever it is, but this is ridiculous. Or whale so, princesses. <laughs> I said with a straight face. <laughs> Whales are in pods. There's got to be a princess of a pod. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like this is the thing? Yeah. It's, so 
this is in the realm of TSA. I used to talk about this a lot. It's now been fixed because of plastic bottles, but but it's the sign of sort of bureaucrats gone awry. And I'm not anti-government at all. Like I believe in government, but I also believe in effective government. So the, the TSA bans, like you weren't allowed to bring tweezers or toenail clippers. You've got batteries going on, and then and knives and forks and all of this stuff. And and still, right? You would get on board. And they would sell you for seven dollars mm. a glass bottle of mini wine that was perfectly <laughs> knife size. Which, like, I don't know about you, if you were in a bar fight, but like, I'm not lunging for the fork. That oh. bottle of butter worked great, and we sold those on play. Like, a lot of this stuff is just—it's theater and it's nonsensical. All these poor folks were just caught in a regulatory hole where they have to do it and they have to issue the guidance. And hopefully, states ignore it. I. I hope so. Also, because they make me laugh, and it's a good distraction. You while know, it's going to become a thing. We're going to have like national guard <laughs> called out to protect signs, but it's federal land. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, let's um, let's land this plane. And and maybe for the folks who missed our uh, invisible episodes, those of you who couldn't tune in, um, we did. We have talked about a resolution, and there's one that I think is uh, a pretty important one. This is this is yours. You wanna you wanna share your um. Your resolution for the year. Yeah. It's real it's very easy. More laughter. That's it. More laughter in twenty twenty four. This is gonna be one hell of a year. The work has gotten more serious in a good way. And uh that means we get to be more ridiculous in a great way. And I love both of those things. We will be back next week when we'll be talking about our are we already at war, even though it's denying that we're at war? Oh, gosh. We'll be talking about how do we laugh more in an environment like that. I'm going to have some uh, new tools that are going to be helpful for navigating through what is likely to be a hellish but interesting uh, interesting year. So leaning into our mantra of taking the work seriously, very seriously, but not taking ourselves seriously at all. I'm Scott Wayne. And I'm Ace Garwood. And this is what? Uh, Envoy Recorded Radio? Maybe. <laughs>